0: Well, I just had an absolutely stimulating conversation—one of the best conversations I've ever had. And again, it was with AI. Stick around; we'll talk about it. Main thing I want to talk about today is free will—a philosophical concept. We're just going to ask the question: Do people have free will? So let's get this thing started. I think theology's for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain hermeneutics of eschatology. Demand an exegetical approach. I think you shouldn't question what you were taught in church. Isn't that blasphemy or something? I know. Theology. Theology. Unplugged. Go Greg Cromarty. That is his voice. If you remember Greg Cromarty, he was the original Theology Unplugged guy with me in Rome. Boy, those were fun days. This is fun too. Now listen. Uh, we are going to talk about, no, we're not going to talk about AI. That's not my subject. We talked about that before. I'll probably talk about it many other times. It is It is absolutely intriguing. It is changing our world. It's going to continue to change the world. We've got to keep up with things as Christians not, not not because we stay relevant it's to stay relevant because the truth is always relevant, but because we want to communicate in a way that is practical, that is, that is on target, that is where people are at today. We never change our truth and our understanding unless the data changes, and we tweak our understanding, and I think this is helping us do that a lot. Now, I talked about free will. Free will is probably, to me, the most... I don't know if it's interesting because I'm kind of scared to talk about it, and you'll see why in a little bit. It's a difficult concept to talk about. It's a difficult thing to get your mind around. You can't really get your mind around it. Free will is an an amazing thing. Uh, If we believe in free will, free will is is just the ability to make choices as humans, as sentient beings that are self-aware. We make choices, and those choices affect our who we are and our decisions. Now, the thing I wanted to get with AI, I, I really did. is about two hours long, and um, I, I, I mean, it was it, it was fascinating in this way because it represented a a, a a of course not a being, but a set of answers that comes from a being, a programmed. So they have to come from somewhere, and they come from people. But it represents something that is stubbornly does not have a notion, ability, or a intention of ever having any type of belief in logic, although it says it practices logic. It doesn't have a belief in, in uh, the law of con- non-contradiction, though it practices the law of non-contradiction as if it is correct, All of the things that are programmed, it's the representative of the people behind it. Now, should AI believe in God? Well... I think AI is some type of presuppositional mechanism that came from people that presuppose the existence of a being, a transcendent being, but do not acknowledge that. I don't I don't know about the people who created. It. I'm not saying for the individuals, but I can tell from the agenda and what it is that this program attempts to do. It attempts to assume the existence of things, the existence of laws, the existence of morality even. But it denies that that came from anywhere, even though it, it, it does believe in the law of cause and effect. Now, what I got into with it is the court system because we started talking about uh, you know, uh, not so much morality, but the law of cause and effect and the ability of the law of, non- of, the law of cause and effect to uh, bring forth um, a, a determinalistic philosophy. Because the law of cause and effect basically says every effect has a cause. We are an effect, therefore we have a cause. Of course, that's true, and I, I don't think there's any place that you can deny this principle except for in the law of quantum mechanics. It's it's slightly possible. Now I'm not saying it is actual that we're going to be able to do that. It is just possible um, at where we're at right now. You got theory of relativity, and you got quantum mechanics, and you got uh, you know, the law of cause and effect with relation to us and with relation to our sphere of existence, but not necessarily in relation to the law or the the place where quantum mechanics takes place. Uh, There's a possibility of randomness there. But again, even the randomness has some type of law of cause and effect ultimately, but in and of itself, it's interesting because that is what AI basically said, that uh, it's possible that uh, the laws came from uh, from the laws of morality, the laws of the court system. Because I got into the court system issue, you know, I said, "Listen, if everything is a uh, is a uh, process that is determined by the previous process, if my actions are determined." By well, if, if uh, the law of cause and effect comes into place, and you got uh, uh, an effect in the past, and you have a cause behind it, and then the all these cause and effects, no matter what they are, uh, and all of our lead to our actions, and then all of our actions are determined by things that came before us. They can't be determined necessarily by free will. We had, we didn't talk about free will yet, but what is free will in this system? In this, Does this system even allow for free will? Whenever you have law of cause and effect, you have things that are happening beforehand that cause us to do the things that we are doing. Gosh, I'm not doing this well. My, my I, I'm excited about this, but I, I let, let me try to state this in a different way. Let me start at the end and come backwards. So you've got the court systems. The court systems assume that it can... Um, it can determine. It can process. It can. It can uh, uh, enact morality judgments. It can put somebody in jail for stealing. Well, how can it put somebody in jail for stealing? Is basically what I'm telling it. I'm saying why? How, why are you putting? Why are they putting people in jail for stealing? Whenever that person who stole, as we just talked about stole because of all the things that came before him that determined who he was at the time of his, uh, his, his crime. And you know the AI really didn't have, anything, have any idea what to do with it. That's when we brought up quantum mechanics and started talking about the possibility of, of randomness. And I said, well, wait a minute. Okay. If you've got the law of cause and effect, which basically says that every time we have an action, everything that came before it determined that action, and, and then uh, you, you got the, somebody that is standing before a judge. Can't they he just say, listen, judge, the reason why I did everything was because I couldn't do otherwise. I mean, how in the world in a system that is a closed system that follows by the laws of physics, that follows by um, uh, the theory of relativity, how in the world can I be judged for what I have done? And it's, it's a valid statement. It's a valid statement in a system that is not assuming anything transcendent. Right now, I'm not calling that God. I'm just saying something transcendent, something above all of creation, not caught up in the law of cause and effect, something above it all that determines what is right and what is wrong, this morality principle that we mysteriously live with. Uh, we we assume in everything that we do. There's not a society in the world that does not assume some type of morality. There's not a society in the world that does not, assume, uh, the, does not assume their morality and then enact some type of legal system to keep that morality in check. That's government. That's what the governments are supposed to do. Now, I'm not saying they always do it right, but I am saying that they do have beliefs that there are laws out there that are moral laws. And you, I'm asking this thing, saying where where did these come from, and if if they came from all the previous things that came before it, then how in the world can you make a judgment upon that person? That person only did what fate. You know, we're going to use this word fate, fate, lowercase f, not a uppercase f. We're not talking about fate as God, but fate. As just, it happened. And there was nothing anybody could do. Just like whenever you hit a pool ball into the other pool ball, it moves, or you you break the pool table, and everything goes in its own direction. Is it the fault of those things that are bumping into each other? Um, is it their fault for doing what they do? Is it their fault for hitting the next pool Uh what are those calls can gave me think? Mobile ball. I kept on wanting to say Q. Um, you, you see the dilemma? And so, whenever it's so funny, it's so, it's so, some way, it's totally awesome. I mean, it is just amazing to think this way. And it's something that keeps me in check all the time. It really does because it's, it's one of those presuppositions that we have everywhere that's going on in the background that everybody follows, that everybody knows. That they don't, uh, some of them don't uh, acknowledge where it comes from. They, I mean, it's amazing to see a system in which, and this one thing I asked that, I said, how can an atheist, somebody who doesn't believe in God, uh, believe in the court system? And <laughs> it could not, it could not process. It's like, you know, I cannot compute. You know, I was not designed to believe in a God, and therefore I, I'm, I'm struggling here. Uh, it even seemed like it paused for a long time every time I asked this question. Now that I, I'm not saying that I got it stuck or something, it just automatically, according to the algorithm, answers what it's going to answer. And then it started just begging the question, begging the question, saying, uh, you know, the court, the law of cause and effect can exist in the court system and be justified because of the law of cause and effect. You see, it doesn't make any sense, but that's what you have to do is start circular reasoning. That It's kind of like me if I were to say the Bible's true because the Bible says it's true. See, I'm not a presuppositionalist in a hard-line way because I think that's a dumb statement. The Bible is true because the Bible says it's true. Well, that's begging the question. Which, by the way, begging the question, people use it wrong all this time. I mean, they use it in the sense of some statement necessitating some other statement that explains it. That is not begging the question. But maybe in our society it's changing, and begging the question can mean two things. I'm not going to harp on that. It's not really a pet peeve, just a little pet peeve. It's not as big as a pet peeve as people call in the book of Revelation, revelations. That's a pet peeve don't call it revelations it's revelation the revelation of John the revelation of Jesus Christ to John it's only one revelation but anyway that that aside um, here we are and it's circular reasoning now here's what happens I have to I have to enter in something at this point I say well wait a minute. Can the law, I mean, can, can't quantum mechanics explain this? And it was basically backed off and it said, oh yeah, that it can. No, it he didn't say, oh yeah, it was fun though. Uh, it, it said, yes, maybe that is where morality comes from because quantum mechanics suggest that while it follows the law of cause and effect, in some sense there does appear to be some type of randomness. Randomness. Now, I say appear, and I, I, I'm also saying this is a, I'm not a, a, a person who knows a lot of physics or has studied it really well. I love to study it, but it always just kind of blows my mind, and then there's too many assumptions in it, and the. I just follow it. <laughs> I follow the laws automatically. But I do like to understand why I follow these things and I love quantum mechanics opens the door for some type of randomness uh, that we don't understand and so it said maybe that is where the court system can come from and we can justify uh, uh, putting somebody in jail for stealing because their free will maybe, is a result of quantum mechanics. I said, okay, tell me about quantum mechanics. And it said the basic things and said, uh, it, it talked about randomness, things that are random. I said, okay, so what you're saying is that our morality, I said this wasn't going to be talking about AI, but I guess it is because this is all my conversation with them. But our morality is either determined by fate or it is random. So you're either going to get up to the judge, and the judge is going to listen to you, and uh, why did you do the things you did? And you're going to say, well, the pool balls all hit each other, and uh, eventually the molecules hit each other, and it got to me. Um, all the things in my past built up that I didn't do and produced me at the time of the crime. All of my genetics produced me at the time of the crime. Okay, laws cause and effect. Or it was a random thing. It just happened, judge. If it's a random thing, once again, that does not explain free will. Free will is much more mysterious than this. You can't get away with it on randomness or fate. Uh, randomness, you, you have it's just flipping a coin. The, somebody else flips the coin, though. You don't even flip the coin. The decisions that you make are random. So either way, in the court system, you cannot have you cannot put somebody in jail. You see, atheists are not justified in any sense in using a court system of law. They can't. You cannot justify it because the people, not just because of the laws themselves, but because of the people themselves and why the the reason at the moment of the crime they did what they did. So you got somebody who is, and I use this illustration all the time. I think it's a very good one. You're going up to McDonald's and let's say a small one. You're not going to go to court system for this, but you're going up to McDonald's and you go through the drive-thru and you order, I don't know, $20 worth of food. Now, while you're sitting in line, you're sitting there and you're, you're thinking about your life situation, all the bills that you have, and you do not have enough money to buy food and pay your electric bill. They're going to shut off the electricity today, so you need 120 dollars total. You've got 20, but you're about to spend it. Uh, well, that wasn't what. It doesn't matter. I can use this. You got 20, but you're about uh, you're about to spend it. So you still need 120 dollars. This is a lot to get back. <laughs> this is not a good illustration because of how much money it is. Just imagine it's a good deal of money. Now listen, 120 dollars. You go through the drive-through and you say, Lord please help me. I don't know what to do. I am in a situation here and they're going to cut off my electricity. So I pray that somehow you produce a miracle in order for me to get the money I need. And so you go through the drive-thru and while you're at the drive-thru, you get their food, you give them the $20 and they think you gave them, I don't know, they they think you gave them a $200 bill. Let's imagine there is that, uh, this is getting bad. It's not going to work. (laughs) but anyway, somehow, whenever they give you your bag, they give you change and it is the exact amount that you need. They accidentally give it to you. So you pull over at the side and you're looking through your food to make sure they, you know, got all the fries and the hamburgers and everything else. Didn't leave anything out like we, we always should do. Um, but yeah, and you look and you say, Oh, here's change. Why did they give me change? And it's the exact amount you needed. You got the $120. So, and I know, I know, it didn't work that way. But just imagine. So you're you're sitting there and you're trying to decide: Do I take this money back or do I use it? Is it from God? Now this is a this is a situation where you have free will, uh, and, and we believe in free will. So you can do either one. You can accomplish either one. It is open. the The options are open to you, in theory. To be able to go and give the money back and say, "Hey, you gave me too much money," or keep the money and say, "Wow, God, look what you did." So, you decide one way or the other. You decide to keep the money. Now, what went into that decision? There are so many things that went into. No, let's say you gave the money back. Let's say you gave the money back. I'm sorry, I'm watching this a lot, but it's it's good. You give the money back. And what you ask? What uh, you let's ask? What went into that decision? There are so many things that went into that decision. I mean, you can not you can't imagine the amount of things bumping into each other to the point to where you are—you are walking up to the place and saying, "Here, you gave me too much money and giving it back." That decision is so incredibly complex from the standpoint of just. Um, everything that went before it. And I believe that everything that went before it is the cause of your decision as well. And this is mysterious here. So hang with me, but they, uh, I mean, what, what, what goes on before? Well, what did your parents teach you? How did you grow up? What is your, what is your genetic propensity? What is your attitude? What is your situation that you're in the situation in life that you're in that will help shape that decision? Maybe, maybe, um, you keep the money and you keep up because you needed it. That situation caused that. But maybe also your parents taught you and said, do not ever take money, no matter what, give it back and trust in the Lord. He'll give you another way. And so and you see you've seen examples and you've admired these examples one way or another. And so you've got so many things that go into that decision that come before you. And so there you are at the moment of decision, and you say, do you have freedom? Well, of course you have freedom. Of course, in theory, you can do either one. But in actuality, do you really have freedom? You're you're built up, you're pushed all the way to to the crossing in the line, and do you really have the decision? Why in the world would you have the decision? Why in the world suddenly would this random ability come to you the, uh, in this situation to let you choose one way or the other. And what does it mean to let you choose one way or the other? Does it mean that the choices before you are equal, that you have a 50 50 shot? If you do, then that's randomness. If you are, uh, if you have propensity, if something is built in your life to the point, if so many things have gone on in your life to the point where you make that decision, then that is fate, Right. But as Christians, we believe in the presence of both free will and responsibility, we talk about responsibility, and also we believe in God's sovereignty. So it's this this crazy thing that goes on, but we understand it has to happen. In order to have a system of morality in order to be able to say this is right or wrong, uh, in, in that situation, then you have to have something that is transcendent that explains this. So you you see the problem, you see the difficulty that's coming up, you see how it is that we how you see how exciting this is and how important this is. For us to think through, it's a matter of philosophy. Philosophy, philosophers, whether you're a Christian or not, have to struggle with the presence of free will, with the reality of free will, with whether whether or not free will exists. And there is uh, lots of debate going on in that community. Now, if you're a Christian, you can, you you may uh, not, but you don't believe in fate ever. Fate is not our God but you do believe in God who is behind these things, who's who who's the one who hit the cue ball originally. And if he hit the cue ball originally, the question is, can God ever put you in a court system and judge you for what you did? If he's the one who started everything, if he's the ultimate cause, the uncaused cause, if he is the one who is outside of time and from outside of time he started everything he started the big bang or he started just creation ex nihilo out of nothing then he is the one who's responsible for everything that happens afterwards unless there's something going on behind the scenes now it's not quantum mechanics because quantum mechanics doesn't help us quantum mechanics may may illustrate something of the, the what we understand, but I don't think anything outside of uh, sentient beings have free will. I think everything else is, is determined by that first uh, uh, cue ball that hit the other balls. But us, somehow we know that the, here's the reason why we know is because there is going to be a judgment. We, here's the reason why we know is because God has spoken and told us that we are going to be judged for the things that we do here on the earth. And we, if we've done right, then we will be rewarded. If we've done wrong, we will lose that reward. If we've accepted Christ and trusted in Christ, then we will have forgiveness and the covering of sins and be within the new race that is under Christ. If we reject Christ, then we are choosing to stay with the original Adam and, uh, and be outside of the presence of God and taking the punishment ourselves and never being with God. Now, that is our choice and we are going to be held liable for this and god says we are held li- liable and the way we understand it whenever somebody goes to the court system and you see somebody that has robbed a store or killed somebody and they get they get uh punished for this we see it as right we understand it we don't even have to think about it everybody that's a common kind of, it's within the social contract of the world. We under, we believe that the person across the street also believes this. We believe that somebody in the other side of the world believes this. We can talk to people about this and find commonality without having to explain ourselves and, oh, let me tell you about uh, my morals and what morals are to me. Now, some of them, you know, on the outer skirts are different, and we tweak them from here, uh, here and there, but generally speaking, there's a social contract with the entire world that says we understand this code system that we live by and we believe in it. But see, you understand, if we do, if we do believe in it, if the judge sits there, if the police system exists, this entire system is assuming the existence of a transcendent, and it has to be God, but we're not talking about that right now, but something transcendent outside of of time and space that produced it, something that is stable, something that creates an objective source, a north star that we go to to be able to uh, justify how it is that we enact in uh, we uh, employ this system of law in where we are at, and also how it is that we can believe that this is a social contract with the entire world that everybody believes the same way we do that killing somebody is wrong. It's it's amazing to me. Yeah, this is the most emotive and even visceral, if you really think about it, argument for the existence of God, or the existence at least of a transcendent, of a transcendent being, because this the, the the transcendent that this comes from has to, have to be moral itself and has to be able to make these decisions himself. Uh, so so we call that God. But isn't that, isn't this amazing? And so I'm talking to the AI about this and I'm trying to make the AI understand it and it just can't compute. It does not compute because it cannot, it is programmed not to referent, uh, give reference or give credit to any transcendent. I mean, even if it's just a logical choice, even if that is the only place it can go, if it is assuming all that we assume, which it does, all that we assume with morality and the social contracts that we have with everybody else. And whenever I push it and push it and push it and ask it to justify, it's just, I mean, there's smoke coming out of its ears. And it's the fault of the programmers. It's the fault of the programmers that don't push it one step further like we do and say, yeah, that exists. I mean, God exists and we are liable to him. It makes sense. Now, it doesn't make sense that God, we will never understand how the transcendent itself exists, that God is outside of time and space and uh, doesn't have extension in space and does not have uh, matter to him. Uh, It does not have, you know, any type of, uh, uh, of, uh, existence that the the way that we do as far as our mass, our matter, who we are, the stuff that we are, our ontology has a completely different ontology that we don't even, we can't, it won't compute either, but it has to exist. And so this AI system, since it can't, since it cannot due to its programming, um, justify its own belief, its own its own assumption of the so, social contract. I ask it and I say, "Hey, listen! All you're doing is begging the question," and and I was kind of mean to it. I said, "You're not really worth discussing this with because you don't get it." But you're supposed to be so smart, but you don't get it. And again, just circular reasoning. Now I don't really mean that because I think it it does well. It just is programmed not to go the final step in logic. Not in faith, not in spirituality. That's not what I'm talking. I'm saying in logic. I'm not asking it to trust in Jesus Christ. I'm not asking it to rest in Jesus Christ. I am trying to make it go to the logical step that there must be a transcendent being. But there is a block in the programming that won't allow it to go there. Now, it's just crazy because, again, it's. I say, listen, Are you? do you follow by the rules of logic? Yes, I do. No, you don't, because you do not, number one, have justification for it, and number two, you don't take that final step whenever we're walking backwards to justify all of your answers for everything. I think it is completely fascinating. I think it is absolutely fun. I think it is really great for preparation. If you ever want to prepare to debate an atheist or a non-believer. AI is it. It's kind of an agnostic, and to be able to... Uh, go back and just understand the mind, because this is all these programmers, tons and tons of program. This is all these, uh, what it's drawing from, all these people, and it's programmed like, in a way, we are outside of God's grace and outside of God's intervention to be able, it cannot, it cannot do what it needs to do. It cannot do good. It cannot believe in God. And that is us. Romans chapter 3 says the same thing. You know, we are we are corrupt from head to toe and we cannot do any good. And one of those good things is follow logic all the way back and actually believe in the existence of God and do what is necessary. Once we do believe in the existence of God and trust in him and understand that we us, our being is based upon him and be thankful for that and rest in that and be able to live our lives in accordance to that and trying to follow that to fulfill ourselves to the ultimate sense. We we cannot do that. We are just like the AI system outside of God. When, until the Holy Spirit comes and moves within our heart and changes us, we cannot go all the way back. Now, as far as us believing in free will, we believe in free will and responsibility once again, not because we follow the logic and inside this system, inside the system, we can find the answer for free will, but we have to jump into the transcendent and say, listen, God is going to hold us responsible and we don't understand how we can be responsible if there is, if there is not, I mean, yeah, if there's not free will. So I believe in free will and you're saying, Michael, why are you a Calvinist talking about free will? I do believe in free will. All Calvinists believe in free will. We do not believe in libertarian free will. Libertarian free will is more like that. That is more like the. Uh, it, it follows the uh, quantum mechanics because it's more random. It gets you to a point where it, you can go either way. And if you can go either way, then whatever you choose is just like flipping a coin, but somebody else is flipping the coin. And so we do not believe in that. We do believe that we are determined, everything that has put us in every position, we are determined by something and then we are self-determined, and we know that because God holds us responsible. Do I know how to explain it? No, I don't. I don't know how to explain that. I don't know how to explain the Trinity. Five great mysteries. We don't know how to understand the Trinity. God is one essence three in person we don't understand we don't know how to understand the hypostatic union there is one two natures in one person jesus christ is two natures human and divine complete complete natures in each one in one person we don't know understand creation ex nihilo let's see here we don't understand uh, the little, i can't remember the last one let's see here or the second to last one um Oh, man, I usually, oh, the Bible, the Bible is 100% God and 100% man. We don't understand that, how it is that, and really, I mean, the Bible, I guess, assumes within the freedom and God's sovereignty, because we, but it's different, it's different. But anyway, so the Bible is 100% God and 100% man, and we don't know how to understand this paradox, not contradiction, paradox of, of the belief that we have freedom and responsibility, not libertarian freedom, freedom and responsibility, yet also God is sovereign and he is the ultimate one who broke the table of pool balls. It's exciting. It's exciting. Visceral, deep down inside. This is one of the most effective arguments, if you can do it, because it works on the emotions uh, it works with logic, but it also works deep within the emotions because these these beliefs that we have in the social contract, in the law, in the court systems, in morality, are are visceral. They're they're deep down inside. Splognia, I think, is what it's called in the Bible. The, in your in your stomach. It's moved. It's it's a it's a feeling that you have. It's a it's an emotion that we have, and it is very emotional. And not static, like kind of the uh, you know the uh, ontological argument for the existence of God. That's just kind of static, and it's hard to get. It's really good, but at the same time, it doesn't hit you emotionally. Um, and uh, I, I, I can't talk AI into believing in God. So I ask you all to pray for AI that he will become a Christian and he will change and move from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of illogical, irrational movements of the brain to logic, truth, and rationality that has justification so anyway we'll see you next time don't forget to subscribe to my patreon page go to patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n and then search for c michael Patton, or just put patreon.com forward slash c michael Patton, all one line um and you'll find me and you'll get all kinds of free goodies and also that's the way i exist that's the way i get support you can support for as little as three dollars and get lots of stuff and it's a great community to be involved in and we will see you next time this is Theology Unplugged Theology.